This is The A. I'm Reg Clay. I'm Alan Coyne. And this is The A, where we talk about life in the theater and the theater of life. <laughs> Yay! All righty. Um, we are sponsored by Central Works, a new play theater headed up by Gary Graves and Jans Leifler. Central Works, reinventing theater one play at a time. We want to thank Central Works for sponsoring us and our wonderful uh, consulting producer, Mallory Samara. Alan Coyne, thank you so much for being our special guest. Norman is still doing... Um, He's still doing the oh, San Francisco shucks. Mime Troupe. Yeah, the San Francisco Mime Troupe. So uh, that's fantastic. And you just finished doing Antigone. Yep. So uh, how was that? Well, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm surviving the pandemic. It's great. <laughs> right on. And we have a fantastic guest, Oliver Saria. You are a writer. You are a uh, the... I believe the executive managing producer, uh, managing director, managing director at Bindlestiff Studios. Oliver, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? Thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. And uh, I just finished doing your play uh, in Idolize's world famous Lechon that was at Bindlestiff, and that closed about two weeks ago. Fantastic, wonderful experience. And I wanted to get you on to talk about just mixing playwriting and also doing a sort of public service announcement. You know, sort of helping healing the community through mm-hmm. theater. You know, a lot of times people think of theater as, well, it's just entertainment. Just entertain me and that's it. But you're sort of, you know, changing people's minds through this, you know, wonderful play. I mean, we've ended two weeks ago, but I have a feeling that it's, it'll still have a life of its own afterwards. Definitely. We're going to be streaming it. On, yeah, that'd be cool. Uh, yeah, on August 26th. Um, I'm sorry, August 27th, Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, and there'll be details on how to... Uh, access the stream and uh, I think we'll also have it available for download as well and information on that will be on our website bitstiffstudio.org yeah yeah we'll and we'll have that posted once that's up because I think it's really really just fantastic uh well as I begin my week uh Alan how are you doing Uh, how are you handling COVID-19 and uh you have any new projects going coming up um, yeah, I'm doing great. I just closed, as you mentioned, Antigone, presented by the Girls of St. Catharines. Mm-hmm. That was at Lafayette Town Hall Theater. Um, a great play by Madhuri Shekhar. She yeah. wrote um, In Love and Warcraft. That was yeah. making around. And you work with a lot of uh, young younger actors, right? Yeah, it was a cast of uh, all in their 20s, um, pretty much. I think one exception. And then me, the old guy. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, I, they're playing high school students. Oh, okay. I was playing the teacher. Oh, oh, nice, nice, nice. Very, very, very cool. And it was a wonderful, I mean, Town Hall is always fantastic. Yeah. So you had a wonderful experience. That's fantastic. Um, there have been some current events, and, you know, we'll, I'll touch on it. And if it's something that we want to talk about, great. If not, that's fine. Um, and we were just talking on the uh, uh, patio about how sometimes politics can take real-life issues into political footballs and how unfortunate that can be. Uh, this week, um, we heard news that a 10-year-old girl was mm-hmm. unfortunately sexually assaulted. The The interesting news is that, of course, with Roe fallen, a lot of states have taken you know their stance on how they feel about abortion. And this 10-year-old girl had to go across state from Ohio to Indiana to have an abortion. Um, and the Republican Party and it's the Indiana um, prosecutor, they're going to prosecute the, the woman who performed the abortion, yeah. which I think is horrible. Yeah, no, it's ridiculous. It's yeah, it's, it's, it's um, I, don't, I don't know if any, you know, if we have a take on what's going on. I think it's really, really unfortunate. I, I feel bad for women. I, you know, I really do believe it's a woman's right to choose. Mm-hmm. And I feel that, you know, all of this, I mean, I heard a news thing that, Someone is is uh, suggesting having abortions at sea, on on a boat. On international waters, yeah, great. Yeah, that's which, a solution, right? That'll work for everyone. Yeah, uh, you don't have any thoughts of it, or or, or do you, Ollie? I mean, nothing, <laughs> nothing <laughs> that you, you know I, that so many of uh, people here in the Bay Area, you know, we're yeah, a, we're very liberal, fortunate here in the yeah, Bay. Yeah, yeah, a liberal bastion, mm-hmm. yeah, um, so yeah. to speak, but. I mean, what can you say? It's it just opens it up to just chaos in terms of each state doing, mm-hmm. you know, they're having their own set of laws and yeah, there not being any any uh, standard. Like you can be a woman and move to a different state, and suddenly yeah, you have no autonomy over. Yeah, it's over like your America, the home of the land of the free, home of the brave, but. You're free as long as you're in the correct state, right. and it's it's really really odd. Or the correct gender, or the correct 
you know, right. all, all the things. Right, right, exactly. There have been other things. So this is theater acting wise. So there's a reality show, Love is Blind. Mm-hmm. And one of the actors um, is filing a lawsuit against, I think, Netflix, who sponsors it. Apparently, it's a reality TV show, and I guess the premise of the show, I don't know, I, don't, I hardly watch TV anymore, but I guess they put these um, single people mm-hmm. in pods, uh, and they isolate them, and they can talk to other individuals, uh, but they can't see them to see how, I don't know, if it's sort of like a social experiment hmm. to see if people are, can be attracted to one another without seeing one another. Uh, but he complains that they took away when they agreed to do the show. They took away their uh, their licenses, their visas, and their um, cell phones, uh, and basically isolated them. You know, uh, some without food or water and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> really, really crazy. So that's a lawsuit. It's and it's crazy. It's like it's a television show. You know, what's yeah. the big deal? Yeah. So that's crazy. Um, and a 15-year-old stole $23 million in Bitcoin. <laughs> so, oh, congratulations. <laughs> I mean, I but is it, is, it, is it $23 million? Yeah, <laughs> 23 right. at what the was time? It? Was it right. like $23 Ten minutes now? ago, $23 yeah. million. Well, right, exactly. Like I'm, like I'm a very, very confused now. with the Bitcoin. I think it's, it's, it's worth as much as you can get, I don't know, transferred or... It's one of those... I mean, the whole concept of Bitcoin is like perception begets reality. Yep. I mean, really, what is money? What is a dollar exactly, bill? Yeah. If enough people agree that it's worth money then it is yep. worth money mm-hmm. so and i think about bitcoin and all these digital currencies and all that sort of stuff i mean ali do you have like physical money in your hand or do you do everything <laughs> I digitally <laughs> i really don't carry cash anymore i might have some coins in in the car if uh you know i happen to be somewhere where they don't take the uh, the app for you for the parking meters right. <laughs> although what i see now is the opposite where they don't take or they don't give coins out. Like they're, they have little uh-huh. signs up saying we don't have coins anymore. Cause it's... There, there, uh, maybe there's a bit of a coinage shortage because I went to, mm-hmm. um, I think it's Popeye's Chicken. Yep, that's um, exactly what I saw. <laughs> and they were like, listen, if you have change, you know, we need change. Yeah. <laughs> but don't ask for, for any change. Right. And I'm like, okay, that's a little weird. Yep. But also, I haven't had a dollar bill in my hand or had to, to issue out a dollar bill in a long time. Mm-hmm. It's all gotten digital. It's And it's almost, yeah. it's it, it gets into... Surrealism, you know, like yeah. what, what, what is, is money? What is money? Yeah. Welcome to late stage capitalism <laughs> where nothing means anything. Yeah, right, right, exactly. Well, well, the value, uh, the whole um, cryptocurrency market has really fallen recently. So, right. It, it, it just brings into to question of like, when are they actually going to start regulating that market? Because, yeah. yeah, you know, I think the or United States try to, yeah. <laughs> try to do that. But also, you're talking about a lot of lawmakers who are, they, they're so old or they're so old-fashioned. They need to be educated on, you know, what it is and how you can mine Bitcoin right. and, and you know, like digital pocketbooks and all that sort of stuff. And there's digital. no percentage in lawmakers actually passing laws. Uh, that just yeah. opens you up to uh, difficulty getting reelected. I mean, oh, sure, sure. If your constituency doesn't want it and all that sort of stuff. Right. Well, it's the a, job of Congress is no longer to pass laws. I mean, that's partly why the Supreme Court decisions have been such a mess is that Congress sort of fell down on its duties to mm-hmm. enshrine some of these things into law because that's the way you'd actually want it done. Right. Is have a law saying yeah. women have bodily autonomy. Like it shouldn't need to be there, but right, exactly. until we, you specify it. You need an intelligent legislature. Once upon yeah. a time we had an intelligent legislature, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's interesting because the Italian prime minister has resigned this mm-hmm. week. Mm-hmm. The British prime minister, Boris, Boris Johnson, resigned. Yeah, sort of. He's still in power. Yeah. I I'll believe it when he's gone. I mean, like it's like yeah. Trump saying something. You and don't... for those who don't know, you're from Ireland, so yeah. you have a uh, more personal. <laughs> Slightly, and my dad's English. But, yeah, uh, yeah, a little more. I definitely was very interested in that whole story. Yeah, well, I mean, I really thought that whole Brexit thing. I mean, I get the feeling that around the world extremism. I mean, this even mm-hmm. ties into the Philippines with mm-hmm. uh, Duterte, mm-hmm. but also now with Marcos. Marcos. Jr., yeah. And that shocked the hell out of me. I was like, I'm sure the Philippines would never, ever elect right. another Ferdinand Marcos again. Mm-hmm. I was wrong. Mm-hmm. But I feel that extremism has sort of taken over the world where, mm-hmm. you know, you have these dictators or dictator-like governments dominating. So it's, it's a little weird. And also Sri Lanka president has resigned as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I, who knows what's happening in the world? Yeah. <laughs>
Alrighty, let's get into an origin story, Alrasaria. How did you get into theater? Uh, where were you born and raised? So I was born uh, actually in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad was in the Navy at the time. So I was born at the old Letterman Hospital in the Presidio. Wow. And um, grew, uh, I grew up primarily in Stockton, but yeah, spent my early, early childhood mm-hmm. uh, on Treasure Island when it was a Navy base. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, and... Um, Siblings? Do you have any siblings? I have two siblings, an older sister um, and a younger brother. And, um, yeah, they also are artistic as well. We were in a uh, – I guess we still technically are. We haven't broken up. We, we were in a band together called mm-hmm. The oh, Skyflakes. Cool. Oh, nice. Yeah, and my brother, um, he actually – both of them has have dabbled in stand-up. Mm-hmm. And um, my brother, he, he actually has written – plays and and performed and now he's a video an emmy award-winning video editor hey, for wow that's fantastic yeah. so it sort of runs in the family yeah i guess we're, we're kind of like a low-key artistic family oh. did your parents also um have artistic inclinations or yeah not so much my mother mm-hmm. um but my my dad actually he w- he was uh, an actor in in high school in the philippines and he was also in a band. Um, kind of a funny story. When my parents, who met here in San Francisco in the late 60s, when they you know, were kind of courting, um, my father mentioned that he was in a, in a band in the Philippines called the Blue Belt Boys. Uh-huh. And they had performed on, I guess, the version of American Bandstand in the Philippines. Oh, cool. And they had a signature move where... They all slid across the stage <laughs> wow. at, the end of the, at the end of their song. And my mom actually remembers seeing them. Oh, wow. Yeah, wow. Watching them on TV. Now, is that SOP or ASAP? I, I remember some of the Philippine uh, television um, music. It's yeah, just... I think it was it, it predated all of that. So it was oh, like wow. very early on, probably. Yeah, it was 60s. Early, maybe even like really early sixties. Yeah, that where she she saw that. And then so they saw each other before they. Wow, that is yeah. fantastic. That's <laughs> she remembers famous rock star. Yeah, she remembers that. seeing him uh, and performing in That's the Philippines. Adorable. And yeah, they met here uh, in San Francisco and courted here, and then um, yeah, they had me here, and then uh, we moved to Stockton. My my father was ba- based out in mm-hmm. Rough and Ready Island. In, okay. in Stockton. There's a small naval naval base there. And so I pretty much grew up there. Um, and then we moved for a short time to Chicago, where he was also stationed. Interesting. Yeah, he was stationed at the... Uh, for some reason, the largest naval training facility is in the middle of America. That's very <laughs> strange. Near, I know the Great Lakes not, are big yeah. and all, but that's yeah. surprising. Yeah, yeah that is not interesting. Not really near the ocean. Mm-hmm. Now, were, did you... Um, I don't know. Did you... Um, were you into like um, high school musicals, that sort of stuff? I did do some acting in in high school, um, but really, a lot of a lot of my interest kind of in performing was really rooted in like my family and family gatherings. Yeah, I come from a really large extended Catholic family, mm-hmm. <laughs> and my mom is one of ten kids, mm-hmm. and um, all of my cousins basically. All of our families lived with like a, within a two-hour radius, and family parties were just huge and boisterous, and mm-hmm. have some natural comedians in the family, aunts and uncles that would just <laughs> tell stories and try to crack each other up. Um, and then, you know, they would get the kids to perf- they'd give us mm-hmm. money to do like mm-hmm. impersonations oh, wow. or Fantastic. dance like. Michael Jackson. <laughs> it sounds like a fun family. I mean, I remember, it's funny, because the 70s, I mean, I was a kid in the 70s, and you had these shows like the uh, the Osmonds, and mm-hmm. even the Brady Bunch had a little, you know, like the family. The sort Gong of Show? Yeah, the sort of family. And yeah. I remember my family, we sort of did that as well. Mm-hmm. You know, we sort of toured around and went to churches oh, wow. and <laughs> perform and sang. I mean, my dad is a singer anyway, but... Yeah. We did that for a little bit. So I think that was a bit of a trend, uh, you know, in the 70s. And, oh, let's look little Reggie do this. So mm-hmm. we, we're a little similar with that. Does your dad still perform? No, no, he doesn't really perform. But, you know, he's always been a good storyteller. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, my aunts, like I said, my aunts and uncles, they're just, like, really natural comedians. I remember, like, my aunt, like, 
peeing in her pants during one oh, of the wow. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. It's a very she, natural. Yeah. <laughs> and like that was that was yeah. You know the big the big event during that party. Yeah. So when did sure. you turn to writing? Um, when when did you figure that that's yeah, I, I feel like ever since I was a kid, I was always kind of cooking up stories in mm -hmm. my head. Um, and then it was really in, in high school where it became more of, a, a, I guess, a, a serious hobby um, and interest of mine. Um, high school teachers really took a, an interest in, mm -hmm. in what I was writing in, in English class, and they really encouraged me. Uh, to pursue it. Now, did you study um, writing, creative writing, or playwriting? No, actually, not in any kind of formal sense. Okay. It, um, I, I went to college and I studied sociology. Mm -hmm. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. I took a couple of sociology classes when I was in school, too. I think the theater, I mean, you know, sociology is all about the, the psychology of a group of people, mm -hmm. you know, whether it be a community, a city, or whatever. So, Obser guess, observation, too. It's like, mm -hmm. um, yeah. In sociology, it's all about kind of observing the world and, and, and picking up patterns yeah. in people's and behaviors. I feel like you do need that background in some, like it'll inform what you do in theater. Like mm -hmm. if you're just pure theater, which no one ever actually is, but you know, that's yeah. all you have. But when yeah. you have something like sociology, yeah. you have an angle. Hey, you know, it is interesting because I took a, um, Gary Graves has a course, mm -hmm. uh, the um, Berkeley Rep. <clears throat> and there are some individuals who come in who are playwrights or they're learning to be playwrights. Some playwrights have a bad habit of being in their heads too much mm -hmm. where they don't do a lot of observation. They sort of have it. They have their own little world. It makes it difficult for actors. I'm sure you know this, Alan, mm -hmm. when you're working with new scripts. It's like, OK, people don't really talk this way or mm -hmm. I don't really get it. So I think it's an, it's an important thing. I mean, have you noticed that where your sociology helps your oh, playwriting? Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I was trying to double major in, in English and sociology. Mm -hmm. And then with the English, I was like, man, I haven't left the library. Yep. <laughs> I was like, I can, yeah, I was uh, an English major and noticed the exact same thing. Yeah, yeah. I was like, man. I, so I ended up just dropping Just trapped English. into the classics, trapped into, I don't know, Emily Bronte. Just and... research all the time and no living. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and, and it, it, it's such a solitary yeah. kind of... Uh, exercise it's text like, on text on text, text yeah it was so yeah, much text writing yeah and there wasn't necessarily you didn't g really go out into the world as much with sociology it was great because you know a lot of um what i was uh, interested in what was uh, kind of like um participant observation yeah like, so you, you you kind of like join a group and you, you just kind of like observe. Mm -hmm. um, did you do any polling like uh, like I don't know like um, yeah yeah I yeah. did um, a, a lot of what I studied was uh, survey research and survey okay. design yeah and after college I kind of went in right out of college I went into that uh, into marketing research um, and so a, a lot of that is just interviewing and asking people questions mm -hmm. um, and knowing kind of what what to what to ask yeah um, and later on I became a freelance journalist and so yeah the sociology definitely played into yeah to figuring out like how to get information the information you're looking for yeah from from probing questions and yeah yeah absolutely. but it sounds like you still had the theater bug i mean you could have went into college and said okay i'm done with the theater stuff let me get into some real work and get into the real world but yeah you still held on to, to definitely theater. yeah yeah and um in high school like i said I, I i did some high school productions i did um no skin off my ass it's a french farce <laughs> okay <laughs> i forgot the writer um but yeah that was uh like my first intro to, to like the French farce and um, that w that was a great lesson in, in to essentially what kind of became the genre that I write is, is basically c like comedies mm -hmm. so um, uh, I definitely was exposed to it in high school and um, I didn't necessarily pursue it in college all that much I, I was focused on just getting my studies done um, but I was writing uh mm. creatively continually through th through then mostly kind of narrative literature literature 
I went through my spoken word phase. Mm-hmm. Oh, sure. I think everyone's <laughs> gone through Which, which is important. I yeah. mean, yeah. you know, that's how in some ways you learn you, to you write. Saw, you you find your voice. voice. Exactly. Right, exactly. Yeah. Uh, what was your first written piece? I mean, I'm sure your first production wasn't in Idala Say, but, uh-huh. but what did you do beforehand? What, what did you... Yeah, well, um, I was involved in, um, I, I wrote mostly kind of prose in, in college. I was part of, uh, a literary magazine called Maganda Magazine. Mm-hmm. So it was a Filipino literary magazine out of UC Berkeley. Mm. So I was the <laughs> I was the managing editor mm-hmm. Very good. there. <laughs> yeah. So I, I you know I wrote some some prose pieces in there and also some poetry. Um, so the, that was kind of my first published work in in a sense. And then I became involved with Binlstif shortly after graduating from college in in the late 90s and that's when yeah I I really started uh, writing more seriously Mm -hmm. and so um, you know Bindlestiff we have this long-running page-to-stage workshop Mm -hmm. you write and then there's acting workshops and directing workshops and then you go through that process and you you get to see your work on stage and so I, I was part of that process. And then eventually I just started taking whatever classes they were offering at the time. So, so whatever workshop was available, some of it was like circus stuff, like still walking. Mm-hmm. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, circusing and then mm-hmm. and then also stand up. So yeah. probably the really, really early kind of writing that I did was stand up writing. Now, your first production, what was your first production? Uh, your <coughs> I yeah the first stage. show um, well my first <laughs> my first exposure to Bindlestiff was actually as a musician okay so playing drums with uh, again my family band yeah um, and then um, so that was kind of the first taste of, of the stage mm-hmm. Bindlestiff I was part of it was called Pinoy's Pop it was like an Asian American um, rock and ro- uh, indie rock festival mm-hmm. um, and then after that I um, started participating in, in more of the formal stage productions. So at the time, I think it was called Back to Back. It was essentially the the forerunner of Stories High. And so I was nice. in a, yeah. That's how Stories High, I was wondering about that, how Stories High got through. And Stories High, for those who don't know, it's a wonderful place where you can, if you're a but young budding at writer, or if you're a young budding uh, actor, or even I think a director, you can get started in Stories High, where it's sort of a workshop, mm-hmm. and these one acts are actually produced at the end of the workshop. Yeah, and it's a good mix of um, like veteran artists, and there's always a, a, a core of folks that, that come back every year, and they're continually, continually honing their craft, but then there's also a new crop of, of artists that you know usually always become part mm-hmm. of uh, what becomes like the next generation of Stiff artists. So. Yeah. I was part of that very first kind of generation. After. Yeah, and I'm sure that was before, because um, 2011, that's when uh, Bindlestiff had the the new space. is not really yes. new anymore. But, mm-hmm. uh, so you were part of it prior to that. Yeah, we were part of like the, the original Bindlestiff <laughs> that was part of the, the old Plaza Hotel, which was, yeah, ground floor of, mm-hmm. of, of a dilapidated SRO. Yeah. And, I really, I am so, so impressed with uh, N.I. Dallas's world-famous Lechon. I mean, as a, as a budding writer myself, I'm just really starting to get into uh, writing. But I'm always focused on how writers differentiate characters. You know, there's some writers, every character is the same because they can't find a different voice. Mm-hmm. And I found, like, Senior Chief has his voice, and um, Ante Perla has her voice and and you have and they're, they're even I don't want to say class structures but you know they're they're generational structures like um the, um Anje uh-huh. Anje you know has her you know she's in the corporate vibe thing and very different from let's say what June is doing and whatever so I guess the question I have for you and a lot of budding writers are listening but how do you define those different voices I'm thinking the sociology may help in that yeah, I, I think it's it's a it's something that writers and I'd certainly try to be cognizant cog, cognizant of is that you, most of the time you end up kind of writing yourself, mm-hmm, right? Sure. You end up writing in your own voice, mm-hmm. and then you you know you 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 really are kind of just um, having your voice be occupied by all these different 
characters. Right. So mm -hmm. I think the first way to to avoid that is just be cognizant of it that that tends to happen. Yeah. And then sometimes um, <clears throat> when I write, uh, I'll, I'll write with without any um, descriptors of the characters. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and I might even do a, a draft where you, you don't even see their name. Interesting, yeah. So that you get a sense of who they are mm -hmm. strictly from mm -hmm. what they say. Yeah. Especially with stage, right? It's essentially a dialogue mm -hmm. art form, yeah. Yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and so uh, I think also, too, that especially for stage, the, the trap that people often fall into is that they end up writing essentially for film. But it's, you know, yeah. they, if you're writing That's for stage, grow up with, yeah, them, like so. people are so used to that medium and they that write, often, yeah, yeah, they often write in a visual yeah. language. Yeah, because yeah. a lot of times film, it's, it's interesting. Well, I, I've always said that, you know, like poets write what people feel, um, playwrights write what people say, film writers write what people do. Yeah, and see. And what they see. Yeah, and what, and what they, they see. see. It's interesting because I, I, I was telling Alan I work with uh, there's a woman named Ann Yubi Kabori who is a wonderful writer and she has a great skill in writing very, very minimal dialogue but still having so much. And I think a lot of writers, they're like, I need to convey every thought I have, mm -hmm. every thought that I have in my mind in this character and this character. Has to, and so you get these monologues or you get these over-expositional things. I'm very, very guilty of it. Mm -hmm. um, and I have to tell myself, okay, don't use so many words. Mm -hmm. um, but I guess the opposite of that is if you're writing in a film sense, then you're assuming that you can get away with not saying so much and the audience will just see it. Mm -hmm. But you know, there's not a lot of dialogue. Is that where you're getting at when you talk about writing for the film? Yeah, well, like, you know, with the with the writing workshop and and i was I, i've been guilty of this myself um you know a lot of times if you're writing for stage you'll you'll direct on the page yeah mm -hmm. george bernard shaw taught us all how to do this with <laughs> oh yeah endless yeah. stage directions yeah yeah so you, you um you're essentially directing the actors and directing the director in a yeah. sense like what yeah, what like you want them yeah the what you want yeah. them to do yeah anytime you're throwing like here's how they should say it emotionally like you kind of like exactly yeah. the text well a lot of directors that, right? just throw that out if there's any stage oh, yeah. directions or any emotional like in parentheses, parentheses with with emphasis yeah. or with, mm -hmm. you know sadly mm -hmm. or whatever yes that directors are like forget about all that <clears throat> just focus on yourself right. yeah <clears throat> and, and I, I think anytime you you throw an adverb in your <laughs> in your stage play then you know then you're kind of directing yeah right exactly uh, yeah. yeah i did have a question for both of you as an actor and as a director i'm thinking about so i had a conversation with priya gayadine i wrote a play called foreman in paris and she um played velvet the sultry woman and the actress sort of asked me i was a playwright at there she was like so tell me about this character i mean tell me the background or whatever and i sort of felt like I don't really want to tell you that much. I sort of want you to sort of mm -hmm. get it all by yourself to create this, whatever. And she was a bit frustrated by that. Do you, Alan, as an actor, especially working with, let's say, a playwright who's there, I know how I am as an, as an actor. I'm like, listen, if I have enough information in this script, I'll create my own background. Mm -hmm. Are you that way? Or do you want more from, I, I don't know, the director or whatever? Yeah, no, I tend to be that way. I think in the case of your play particularly it was interesting because velvet so many of the characters in your play are historical mm -hmm. and velvet's kind of she was quasi archetypal exactly. like she's not um, yeah. so that that may have been why like everyone else has got these very detailed backstories because they have biographies written about them um uh, but yeah no i i you know anything i perform on stage is going to effectively be me it'll be some variation of me it might be a part of me that i don't yeah. display very often but do you but... have a dialogue with the director like so this is where i'm going with my character or do you just do it and you'll wait for any criticism or if it if yeah it, it both effectively and it depends on the director a lot of directors will approach it differently and i kind of go with what they want to do um but yeah the the show i just did um the character didn't have a lot of information and so a lot of the information that was given about him was questionable like the most salient parts of his character were 
spoken in a dream sequence. So you're already like, okay, is this guy any is any yeah. of this true? We don't know. Yeah, the re- unreliable yeah, narrator. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, um, I did come up with a backstory for myself to sort of justify why he mm-hmm. was doing the things he yeah. did. And of um, course, it helps you on the stage. Yeah, yeah. I mean, specificity is important. It can't just be a. You're sure. Not, you aren't just saying their lines. You are. Uh, uh, inhabiting and being present in the space yeah. in a way that even film doesn't do right like right. you're you're sheer, literally sharing the space so you're inevitably bringing you to that character and yeah um i usually to answer your question i usually bring in my own stuff yeah now Ollie, i'll ask you this as a writer i mean do you how how much do you focus on let's say a backstory for the character or do you allow the actor to say hey listen i've written this much about it so you can figure it out I, I think you, you kind of know which which characters really have like some meat behind them. Yeah. And the ones that tend to have that meat are, are the ones that have that rich backstory. You may not necessarily reference it in the in the piece that you're writing, but having them have some type of backstory gives them life. It gives them something specific to work with. I think, for example, with the, the Harris character. Yeah, which is a wonderful character. I'm so thankful that... Because you didn't have to have an African-American character, mm-hmm. but, but you did. And I see, especially in television, even in commercials, hey, you know, there's a leading man or there's a significant other, and he's black. And it's like, wow, we're getting some visual... We're giving some visual aids, so it's awesome. So, so thank you for that. Yeah, and, and initially the first um, draft of it, I was... I was wary of, of kind of writing characters that um, that weren't like that weren't representative of me. Like mm-hmm. we kind of live in a in a day and age where you know you you worry about like um, potential backlash around that. Like mm-hmm. uh, you may be misrepresenting a culture that's not your own, and um, you know unintentionally. You, you, not, yeah, offend yeah. someone because you don't know that culture that well, or something yeah, like that. Yeah, or if you're like appropriating mm-hmm. um, other cultures and whatnot. So the first drafts that I wrote, uh, a lot of the characters were were kind of generic in a sense that I was trying to get it where any gender can play them, or you know, any race. Um, but f- always in in the early drafts, I wanted I I, I had a, a character, the Harris character, be non-Filipino. Mm-hmm. And I specifically wanted that character to be non-white because part of the point I was making with the, with the play was that um, the communities that experience these health disparities are the same communities that, that suffered during the um, Great Recession and the mortgage meltdown. Oh, sure, yeah. So I, I, but I tried to keep it generic. And then the first draft, um, we read through it, and, and there was just not... There was not much to that character, to those characters. They didn't feel kind of lived in, in a yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah. And so y- y- I just kind of made the choice, like, um, you know, we ha- I have to make a decision. Like, a writer has to decide, yeah. like, who these people are and, and what their backstory is. Mm-hmm. And so for Harris, yeah, I, I decided, you know, I'm just... I'm just going to make him an African-American man from yeah. the, from Pittsburgh with yeah. roots in Jamaica. And and very, very specific. I mean, you were very specific, and it helped me as, a, as an actor. It's like, okay, well, I'm locked in. As a matter of fact, my brother-in-law, is he's not from Pittsburgh, but he is Jamaican. He has Jamaican roots. You know, the, uh, the goat curry and uh, eating the, I think there's a soup where you have fish heads and all that sort mm-hmm. of stuff. And, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting, um, but... I knew, you know, who I could pull from. So, you know, and talking with him and learning about that really, really helped. But the specificity, the specificity really, really helped out. Um, it's kind of the beauty of being a playwright and working in theater as opposed to, say, a novelist or other genres, is that you know at some point you're going to get those people in the room that will fill out that story mm-hmm. where, you know, and I totally get that, like, fear of, like, I don't want to offend or, or, or um, appropriate or do something... But you know that at some point you'll connect with an actor or a director and a director uh, and maybe a dramaturge and all the other things that can come into a play. And they will flesh that out 
with you. And so, yeah, that's one of the things I like about theater, that collaboration. Yeah. yeah. Making and, things and, grow. and you did such a great job playing Thank you. him. Like, uh, the, the way I wrote him, I was always like, you know, I was always wanted to give him more, but, um, you know, at the same time, you, you know, I didn't want it. You're trying to, to keep it really yeah. trim and efficient, right. especially like it's for not stage. quite that. Per, the, this, this, it's not their story ultimately. Like they're part yeah, of the story, you, but right exactly. Not. There is a bit of a tightrope for writers because yep. you want to write more to give to to brighten up the character, mm-hmm. but not. Some, it's almost like a dish. It's like yep. if you put too much seasoning on it, yep. <laughs> yeah. you can kill it. Yep, <laughs> not enough. It doesn't taste as much. Exactly, but just the right mix so that an audience can get can see a very distinct character but it may not be the main character. Mm-hmm. And I think you did that very well. Oh, so, thank so, I thought, you. so that was... Um, Harris will be forever red. So like, <laughs> <laughs> well, no, hey, Copyright. in the film version, <laughs> Just it'll be recast. But, but you know, but my version of Harris yeah, is there and it was really helped from um, the theme. Now, <clears throat> how many rewrites did you do with N.A. Dallas? I'm always interested in how a play, mm-hmm. every play is different. Every play transitions from, let's say, from your head to the rewrites. Like I remember... For four men, I think I did three readings, which really helped me out, flesh out some of the characters. How many readings did you do for N.A. Dallas-A? We did two, probably two, like, formal readings that really um, altered kind of the play in, in more significant ways. And then once <laughs> once you all were in rehearsal, uh, then I, I made a couple more tweaks. So probably in all, there were about four four drafts Mm -hmm. and then after the run i went and edited it again Mm -hmm. so there's a there's a fifth draft um now that that hopefully if the play gets uh staged again elsewhere Mm -hmm. they'll probably go off of that fifth draft but i mean god it just never feels done Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) no it never is yeah yeah Yeah, it it never really is but it still has a life of its own i mean Mm -hmm. it's still it's enough to I don't know for for takeoff. You know, yeah. it's mm. it's there, and of course the audience had a fantastic reaction to it. You know, they really really loved, mm. especially the lechon. I mean, so for <laughs> those who don't know, I mean, you know, Alan, I want you to be in the dark, but <laughs> there's lechon, which is I think pork. I uh, think yes. pork, okay. and the lechon animates itself. <laughs> to sort of, you know, talk about the traditions. You know, uh-huh. the first Lechon really talks about the strong Philippine tradition uh-huh. and how, how um, honored it is to honor the Philippine tradition. Mm-hmm. And you and I were talking about, like I talked about how uh, my family would eat uh, chitlins. And, you know, chitlins is a very big black tradition. I hate chitlins, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even be in the room if it's being cooked. But it I is one of those a, things. I brought which... some to share. I'm sorry. I didn't... <laughs> I'll have some. I love right. it. <laughs> but, you know, it's cultural, but it's not really healthy. And then, of course, the second lechon is the vegan lechon. Mm-hmm. And that had its own character. And mm-hmm. the and audience loved that. Of course. And then there was the sitau um, uh, monster, which uh, was sort of the compromise between two cultures. Hmm. And there's a new tradition. So it's wonderful because we talk about, Norman and I have talked about, there are playwrights who want to deliver a message. <laughs> this mm-hmm. is a public service announcement. And some audience members will just have their eyes rolling. Oh, God, here we go. I'm being preached to. And you never want to do that. You want to deliver a message. I do believe in messages. But it has to be done in such a way that you don't feel preached to. And mm-hmm. I think you've done that. Were you worried about that? Yes. And um, I don't know how well I pulled that <laughs> off. So one of the comments we did get in the uh, uh, audience survey was that it, towards the end it did feel a bit like a PSA but I mean mm-hmm. it, it is I, there's there's mm-hmm. kind of no way around it it is uh, it's written essentially as a public service announcement yeah um, to help uh, Filipinos but then also other communities really um, examine like our health and, and how the food we eat impacts our health and, and particularly for those that like the Filipino community that are experiencing pretty extreme health disparities. Mm -hmm. It is a big topic. Like within our community, there's a lot of people, um, myself included that, um, have been negatively impacted, um, by our, our, our eating and our lifestyle choices. So it is a PSA. I can't avoid it, but I, I did definitely want it to be a comedy knowing that it's just, you know, it's, 
it's more palatable in yeah. a sense if yeah if if it no. was more entertaining <clears throat> yeah at, at the and end I, of the day you have to be entertaining right of course of course and i think you did it very very well and very tactfully and also not just the psa of eating healthy and the comedy of it but you also deal with other little things like class, like uh, the subprime loan crisis. I think mm -hmm. that that was done really, really well. In the very beginning of the act, Ange and I, we're in, we are um, countrywide um, loan officers, and we're giving out loans. It's really ironic. I don't know if you know this, but actually, me, Reg Clay, actually dated a woman mm -hmm. who was a loan officer, and she was telling me about, oh, yeah, I got these loans, and I got that loans, and I had to tell her. Um, were people, could they actually afford to do this? I don't know. And she just didn't care. We didn't last. <laughs> to make a long story short, I was yeah. like, oh, my God. Um, but it deals with that. And, of course, the aftermath of it and, you know, sort of the whole, um, you know, what happened. But also just we want to, as a culture, you know, whether it be the black community, the Philippine community, Asian community, Latino community, we want to lift ourselves up. There's that American dream, that dream, that proverbial what do they call it, the uh, the brass ring, the gold mm -hmm. ring or whatever that we grab to. Um, sometimes we sacrifice, you know, our own culture or we step away from things or do things that we shouldn't be doing. Mm -hmm. I remember working myself, Reg Clay, at Jones Day, Revis and Polk. It was, it's the second biggest litigating law firm in the world, but we were representing bad people. <laughs> yep. <laughs> we were representing PageNet who were overcharging, you know, their customers. So, you know, you learn that, you know, hey, money's fine, but sometimes your reputation means a lot more. And, and you dealt with that as well. So there are all mm -hmm. sorts of little, uh, all sorts of, um, what am I going to call it, levels within the play where it isn't just a streamlined PSA, eat your veggies, but it's, <laughs> yeah. it deals with class structure where people want to be like, hey, I want to be looked up upon, you know, like um, senior cheap. Mm -hmm. He wants to be known within the community. Hey, I'm the person that you can come to. If you want a good meal, yeah. if you want to, you know, feel connected with your community mm -hmm. and the family, you know, they they all gravitated. I mean, when I saw Senior Chief, I saw my granddad, Daddy Clay. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so it, it really is transcend the Philippine community. Yeah. It's well, something I, that everyone deals with. Well, I, I also knew kind of I didn't want it to feel like a PSA. So they couldn't really talk about food and, and health the whole time right, right. For sure so i i felt i needed kind of like a metaphor or or, or a plot device mm -hmm. where they uh, they could talk about other things but it 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 still worked as a metaphor for the food so yeah. if you think of like debt mm -hmm. and um the accumulation of debt it, it's similar to kind of your health right you yeah. you you you're storing that cholesterol somewhere. <laughs> yep. Right, right, the, exactly. Taking, taking out those yeah, the energy yeah. that you don't expend, the food that you consume, it, you store that as fat. And uh, at the end of the day, you're going to have to pay it off just like kind of yeah. like your debt. Yep. But on another level, mm -hmm. the um, the whole uh, Ange going through like the network of her family and friends, Yeah, it's similar to how customs are passed down, right? Like yeah. it... Um, the same networks that you hit up for like you, you, those um, multi-level marketing schemes, oh, sure, sure, <laughs> sure. you know, are the same, are the same people that eventually kind of, uh, they, em you embrace and you share these pr traditions. Mm -hmm. So for me, it, it seemed like uh, it, it was con a convenient way to, to, to kind of talk about the subject without directly talking about it. Yeah. Subject. It's funny when you mentioned the analogy of debt, as storing food or storing the fat. Remember uh, the Barings crisis? Uh, um, what's the dude's name? Uh, Neeson, I think is his last name. He basically, he worked for Barings and he basically collapsed Barings because he hid billions of dollars in debt. It was supposed to be profit, but you know he hid it in a, uh, um, a, some sort of a secret loan. He had to hide his losses. It's almost like a child hiding mm -hmm. you know, their junk in, <laughs> Candy, the, uh, yeah. <laughs> in the closet. You know, saying that they cleaned up. And, you know, I guess we do the same thing with food. Like, you know, if I eat a donut mm -hmm. or whatever, it's not just going to disappear once I've eaten it. It's going to collect somewhere. Yeah. And that is the proverbial debt or whatever. So yeah. it's an interesting analogy. And it's sort of tied into, like, U.S. culture and, and capitalism of, like, infinite growth. That idea of, like, yeah. 
-hmm. the markets just keep going up because there will always be more market. Yeah. And, and credit like, card debt. I'm just going to keep eating and get yeah. bigger and bigger and bigger. There's right. no yeah. limit. Or, or credit card debt. I mean, like, mm -hmm. finally, actually, one of the cool things about any dollar, say it actually, I mean, this is personal, but it helped. I actually paid off my uh, credit card debt with oh. the uh, the payment that that you gave me. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Chase so Sapphire, full circle, <laughs> gone. Yep. But but I mean, but um, yeah. America is all about credit card debt. Oh, yeah. we are marketed into. Oh yes, you know, buy that car, buy yep. this, buy that. If you don't buy, it, another person it works will for buy the US that government. new iPhone. Yeah. and don't worry about it. you don't have any money. You have yeah. credit, right? We're gonna buy our way out of. The recession yeah, or right, exactly. Or there's always an out. Like, yeah. you can declare bankruptcy and it'll be kind yep. of wiped clean. I think we have a similar perception with health yeah. as well. I'll like, just get a surgery and it'll all be better. Like, yeah. yeah, or I'll start taking a pill. Or cool sculpting. Yep. Have you, you guys heard about that? Cool sculpting? <laughs> <laughs> I the guess you can freeze the, freeze the fat off and I guess, yeah. Make it into something Right. New. We use every part of the... Yeah. Like, instead of just doing the right thing and just eating healthy, which isn't right. such a bad thing, and it can yeah. be healthy. But it's harder because it's day to day, and it's it's it an takes ongoing work. process. Yeah. Sure. And, and it's, America yeah. is not about that. Yeah. It's not convenient. It's not always convenient. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then, there there are aspects of the play that I wish I could have included. There's there's societal reasons why we eat the way we do. Oh yeah. It, the play didn't necessarily touch upon that, but yeah, you know, well, we you subsidize know, bad food. There, there are a couple of exactly. lines that you had, like the uh, the the uh, you talk about the what is it, the food desert or the um, mm -hmm. we're in a neighborhood. There's a grocery desert. Yeah, Ange has that line in the very last yeah. act where she mentions people shouldn't have to go five or six or seven blocks along the you know to get to a, a grocery store mm -hmm. to 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 get to things. You know, it's it's horrible that I have to bike. 20 miles away, mm -hmm. I'm sorry, 20 blocks away to get to Safeway. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Kentucky Fried Chicken is only, you know, five mm -hmm. blocks away. Yep. You know, yeah. And that's part of the problem. Yeah, I mean, those two characters live in Oakland, and, and Oakland is kind of notorious for these food, food deserts. deserts. That's, that's, that's yeah, what you're these saying, food yeah. deserts. And just the access to, to quality, nutritious food is, is difficult for mm -hmm a lot of communities of color so yeah um the play touches upon that yeah i, I felt i needed to to at least acknowledge it um yeah. but it, it unfortunately it wasn't something that um i could i was able to delve deeply into that's, that's the next play yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. speaking the of the next play nomads. do you have other i mean i'm sure that you know the public service announcement or food or whatever i'm sure you have other ideas or other plays uh -huh. that percolating in your mind yeah it's funny because um God, I'm so like practical. I guess <laughs> a lot of the, a lot of my projects are are also kind of um, centered on on a, a problem I'm trying to solve or, or mm -hmm. impact. So my next project is related to um, STEM learning and Ooh. encouraging um, BIPOC children to embrace mm -hmm. STEM learning. Because um, I mean, I firmly believe like if there isn't more equity in in STEM and science, technology, engineering, and math, we're, we're really not going to solve these problems. Like, yeah. mm -hmm. children of color need to be a part of that. People of color need to part, be, be a part of those yeah. solutions. For the good of the disciplines themselves. Like, yeah. It's not, if you have one viewpoint on solving a problem, a technological problem, like, yeah. you're not going to solve mm -hmm. it. You need all the yeah. different parts. And it yeah. also deals with the school system, you know, making mm -hmm. hammock. Because I have teachers who make learning fun. And unfortunately, you know, there are some teachers who are like, well, okay, this is the curriculum and here's what's on the paper and just take your tests. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just get out of my face. That's, and, that's, and again, it's what we're rewarding and punishing as a yeah. society. Right, right, exactly. And but STEM is also resource intensive too. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. I yeah. mean, you can't just right. learn this stuff. You're throwing stuff. a lot of stuff at a wall. <laughs> yeah, you, you need, you need uh, especially w with um, some of this, um, like the, you know, tech and, and engineering, you need, mm -hmm. you need actual material. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you need access and you need quality teachers to teach that. So, yeah, yeah. And I'm sure it touches into um, private schooling, public schooling, you know, public school doesn't have a lot of resources mm -hmm. and private schooling. It's great. But if you can afford right. to get there, yeah, computers, you, a, you need computers, you need yeah, all yeah, that. Yeah. Labs. Mm -hmm. um, and time, even just time. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We're getting close to the one hour mark. So um, what where do you see yourself in the future, Ali? Uh, I know because it, I get the feeling that you also want to write for film, whether it be television or just, let's say, streaming on, I don't know, YouTube yeah. or, or something like that. I mean, what do you what do you, where do you see yourself in the future? 
Yeah, um, well, the next project I'm working on is actually um, more for film, and hopefully it'll be animated. Mm -hmm. um, the goal is to, it, it's a web series, essentially, or, or, or TV series. Um, but uh, hopefully we'll be able to at least make one episode, um, an animated episode. Um, as far as, like, kind of where <laughs> I see myself, um, I, I don't know. I think I'm not necessarily too focused on, um, like, where I see myself ending up. I, I'm just kind of focused on the process and um, just continuing to do work that I feel is meaningful and important to me. Yeah. Um, and it sounds like the Bay Area Theater, it's treating you well. You know, there's some frustrated actors and writers or whatever. It's like, man, I got to get out of here. I got to go to, I don't know, L.A. or New yeah. York, whatever. But it sounds like you're satisfied with where you are. Well, I did live in L.A. for about seven years. I okay. tried to, um, I shot a pilot here in San Francisco. And I, I went to L.A. to try to sell it. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of the Bindlestiff crew was part of that um, nice. that shoot. Uh, we actually lived in our set. <laughs> we rented an apartment in Potrero, <laughs> mm -hmm. and they essentially it converted that that amazing apartment into the mm -hmm. set for this television pilot. Uh, and I went down to L.A. and tried to sell it, and you know, had some meetings, um, worked in a production company for a bit, but then um, I never really found anything like kind of quite like Bindlestiff down there. Mm -hmm. and it's a wonderful home. I mean, it's a wonderful place to, I mean, not just the community aspect mm -hmm. of it, but also they they believe in you and, and you know, you get results. So, yeah. <clears throat> so I think uh, Bindlestiff has served you very, very well, is yeah. serving you very, very well. And yeah, I got to say thank you for like giving space to really the broad spectrum of a theater here in the Bay Area. I know um, for Bindlestiff, we as far as community theater goes, we kind of skew more towards the community <laughs> side. Yeah. But it's definitely, um, you know, the, the art of theater and um, performance is certainly something that Binlistiff has really um, instilled in me and continues to, I could st continue to grow from it. I mean, I, I wouldn't be able to, to have written this play were it not for all of my experience Bindlestiff and the community around it and and you know frankly uh, the city and county of San Francisco um, yeah that's and right I, yeah and I Delisa was part of the um, individual artist commission yeah. that I received and oh so, I was going to say yeah well obviously we can't delve too much into it but you did receive a lot of funding for it I think a lot because it, it does deal with healthy eating or whatever I'm sure you got a lot of good sponsorships how yeah, the, the the community where there's a lot of community sponsorships from Soma Pilipinas, Samcan, um, Bainian Equity Center, uh, and then individuals like uh, Sariwa Farms up in Seattle. Mm -hmm. The Dorados. Uh, yeah, the Dorados, uh, Alan and Joyce Manalo. So a lot of community folks um, and community uh, organizations. Um, also, Cultivate Labs was was another sponsor, APIC. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I mean, it, it was so great to have their support. Um, and it started uh, with the support of the San Francisco Arts Commission. My, my next project is also an, another um, commission from the San Francisco Arts Commission. So wow. I have a year, I have a year to, to make that. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. I mean, there are a lot of budding uh, writers who are like, man, you know, to have to write a piece and to have it funded and have it commissioned is a dream. So, you know, yes. you're doing things that a lot of people would just love, love, love to do. But you're also serving the community as well. It's not just, hey, let's do a play and let's focus on me, me, me. Mm -hmm. You're helping the community. You're he helping heal the community. So that's awesome. Yeah. I think for, for us at Binlstiff, we we always kind of believe that every community, regardless of uh, economic level or immigration status or gender, um, race or ethnicity, every community deserves quality performing arts space yeah um and it's hard to find that's yeah. really hard to find in, in, a, in a lot of communities and we're so blessed to have been stiff um in the you know historically the, the strong filipino community in the south of market I mean, yeah over the years it's has dwindled but you know we're trying our best to be an anchor for the community there and, and to hold on um to that 
the integrity of that community. Yeah, yeah, no, Bimsa has done absolutely fantastic work, and as an actor, love. Have you? You've worked in Bimsa? No, no, you? no, not yet. <laughs> yes, <laughs> one Someday. one day. No, it it Please. is really really awesome. I, you know, the experience that we've talked about it at nauseum and, and in a bunch of episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had Giancarlo uh, yesterday. Uh, I'm sorry, not yesterday, but last the week. Last, yeah. But um, but no, Bimsa is just fantastic, and uh, you're you're a big part of that. Let's close it up. Uh, there are some birthdays. Um, Anna Yoham. Uh, well, actually, so today we have no act, no actors that I know. Uh, Deborah Cortez. She's a fantastic Latina actress. Her birthday was uh, two days ago, July the 14th. Happy birthday to you, Deborah. Also July the 14th, Anna Yoham. I acted with her. We did Candy together. She's a magnificent singer and actress. Uh, her birthday was uh, July the 14th. Uh, someone who I went to school with, Don McCormick. Uh, we both went to Duke Ellington School of the Arts. Her birthday uh, was on the 14th. Dan Wilson. I don't know if hey, you Dan. I know Dan. Yeah. yeah. I did improv. Uh, Matter of fact, uh, he is out of town. He and his wife, yeah. I think, are in and Colorado, Denver, Colorado. Denver, doing Colorado. Binge Watch, yeah. a two person group. <laughs> Uh, he is, uh, yeah, he's a fantastic actor. I've acted with him on stage at Town Hall Theater. We did Civil War Christmas mm. together. He was John Wilkes Booth. Oh, yeah. His birthday was yesterday. Also yesterday, Kimberly Ridgway. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were just talking about her. Fantastic writer, actress, director. Yeah. She's involved all hats, in all sorts all of things. As a matter of fact, I wouldn't be in the show that I'm in now if it hadn't been for Kimberly Ridgway. I think Ridgway. a lot of actors in the Bay Area can say that. <laughs> exactly. So she's, a, she's sort of a uh, matchmaker. A yeah, absolutely. <laughs> So, Kimberly, uh, happy birthday to you. Yeah, I'll say uh, Hannah Dworkin as well. Um, I've worked with her at BACT. Uh, mm-hmm. She's directed me. She's a fantastic director. And Hannah dancer. Dworkin, right on. Mm-hmm. When is her birthday? Oh, that was July 15th. Oh, I'm sorry. July 15th. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's right there. Uh, <laughs> Can Marissa- I get... Oh, sorry. No, yeah. go for it. Yeah, I have some birthday Oh, please, please do. It's actually my brother and sister. All right. Oh, right. Hey. Yeah, my brother was born... Today, today's his actual birthday. Right on. My sister's is on the 18th. So yeah, the cancer's birth- right on. Yeah, happy <laughs> birthday to Trish and Jr. Love you guys. Cool. Um, Marissa Wanless. Yeah, Marissa. Marissa Wanless. Marissa Wanless. Thank with- you so much. Yep, Her birthday no. it will be the 18th. Yep. Two days from now. Uh, she's a director and an actor. Yeah, right? I'm actually working with them at the moment on um, Much Ado About Nothing. With SF Shakes. Fantastic. They are playing Don Pedro, my brother. Cool. Uh, my uh, aunt Iris, her birthday it will be also be two days from now. <laughs> uh, Laurie Goff also graduated with her from Duke Ellington School of the Arts. She's a magnificent uh, actress. Also, the 19th, Glenda Solis. Way back when, I did a piece, The Marriage of Benton Booze, one of the earliest posters oh, yeah. that I have back in 2001. Uh, and she was in that production. So happy birthday to you. I have no idea what she's doing these days. On the 20th, another alumni of Duke Ellington School of the Arts who is teaching theater. I want to say the University of Chicago, uh, Caroline Stephanie Clay. I don't know if she's in no relation to me. <laughs> we just happen to have the same name, last uh-huh. name. But she was a wonderful upperclassman. I tell the story all the time where I was a freshman and she was a sophomore. And I was working on a monologue and she was just drilling me. She was like, you know, mm-hmm. be committed, be committed. You know, you got to learn your lines or whatever. And so I sort of needed that. Yeah. It was like my introduction to theater. If yeah. you're going to be serious about this. This is not just playtime. This is, you know, serious work. Mm-hmm. So thank you, Caroline. Uh, Stephen Collins, I've acted with him, uh, I believe, in the Playwright Center for San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Uh, his birthday is July the 21. And Ashley Rockwood Melger, uh, she and I acted in Bat Boy. Oh, yeah. Uh, that was July. The, and her birthday is July the 21st. That is that. There are some shows. Uh, are there any shows that you want to promote? Yeah. Um, so as I mentioned, I'm rehearsing for Much Ado About Nothing with the San Francisco Shakespeare Festival. We'll be opening in Cupertino in a couple of weeks. Right on. Um, we'll be in Cupertino for a few weeks, Redwood City in sort of August, and then by September we'll have moved to San Francisco, McLaren Park. Okay. It's all free. Um, it's a great show. It's just a wonderful cast. Shannon R. Davis directing. Yeah. People nice. can come check it out. And then the other thing I'm doing that may turn up at some point at a theater near you um is it's uh brown versus the board of education hey yeah. that, that is right now that's all is that an altarina thing that was an altarina thing we performed at altarina last weekend uh-huh. um we we're going to florida with it of all places november okay uh it's performed been performed in alameda up in sausalito uh, it's, it was written dr cindy acker wrote it uh-huh. in response to uh, the last school desegregating in the United States. Yeah, and it yeah. was in Sausalito. 
wow. ridiculously, and it was last year or uh, 2020. I 2020. love these education stuff. Oh, I yeah. definitely want to check that so out. So it's it's what it sounds like. It's sort of a reading of some of the transcripts with uh-huh. a sort of play narration, speaking of PSAs. Yeah. Um, and especially right now with all the Supreme Court stuff, it's really interesting seeing how that Supreme yeah. Court dealt with a different issue in a very different way. Yeah, yeah. Um, Every time I think about Brown v. Board of Education, I think about Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Of course, he was dead at the yeah, time. Yeah. But if it wasn't for him bringing in yep. so many Supreme Court justices, justices yep. Yep. which you know turned the tide. Yeah. And then uh, specifically in the case of Brown, uh, Eisenhower replaced a justice who died with Earl Warren. Yeah. And he was the chief justice. And they expected him, I guess. The, the rumor is they expected him to be one way on segregation. And he was mm-hmm. absolutely not. He was yeah. very... Uh, what anti-segregation? Yeah, so. and Eisenhower is an example. I'm sorry, we're getting a bit wonky, but you know, he's he was a Republican, <laughs> but he was a moderate Republican. As yeah. a matter of fact, when yeah. he was a, he, he was a rhino, Republican in name only. Right? <laughs> but I mean, he was one of these guys who um, he when a woman uh, had to go into a school. Yeah. And she was accosted by, you know, so many, you know, racist white yep. individuals. Eisenhower sent the National yeah. Guard in yeah. to protect her. Yeah. Now, this is a Republican. Yeah. So, you know, that's mm-hmm. those are the good old days where, you know, the yeah. Republican Party. The last was. good one, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So there are show- I'm sorry. Biddlestiff is doing some things, too, right? Is Stories High yes. coming up? Yeah. So Stories High, um, the, the culmination of our Page to Stage workshop series is actually going to be happening uh, live and in person in September, fingers crossed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, hopefully um, by then this COVID surge will die down. And yeah, yeah. I, I do want to say Aureen has done an ac- did an excellent job because we had a very big cast. I think a cast of eight. I want to say um, none of us got COVID, mm-hmm. and so you know the show. So many other shows have been shut down, yeah. but Aureen has d- did an excellent job, and Hun Jun Kim, who's mm-hmm. the stage manager, did an ama- amazing job. And making sure that we all felt safe in the in the space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, Stories High tends to be kind of like a cast of thousands. So yeah, it, <laughs> it is. could be upwards of like <laughs> yeah. twenty actors. So um, yeah, that'll be in September. And um, yeah, I'm actually reading the the material this weekend to to figure out what we're going to stage. So it's pretty exciting to be um, back. This will be our first Stories High back in the space. Nice. So, yeah, nice. looking forward to that. And we'll be we'll be promoting that as well. There are also a couple of other shows. So Norman is in um, San Francisco Mind Troop, Back to the Way Things Were. Yep. He's the star. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. So that's running right now until September the 5th. We have a link for that. Bridget Dunaportman, she is a magnificent writer. Uh, she is teaching Cole Writ 135 Workshopping and Performance. That'll be going on until July the 22nd, and we have a link for that if you still want to sign up for that. Um, she is also in New Threads Reading Series, The Golden Thread. That'll be August the 9th through the 30th, so check that out. Um, Central Works is doing Dreaming in Cuban, um, which is starring Steve Ortiz. He's doing an amazing job there. Gary Graves is directing. That'll be June 25th. Well, it began June 25th. It'll end July 24th, mm-hmm. and we have a link Did for that. Did it extend one week, or is it extended to 24th? Oh, you know what? It may be. Um, I'll check to uh, see, yeah. um, but we'll have a link, so yeah. you can check that out. SF Shakes doing Much Do About Nothing. Uh, Richard mm-hmm. Jennings is the composer, yes. and we've had him on the yay. He's teaching me how to drum. Oh, is that right? He is not <laughs> responsible for the flaws <laughs> in my drumming, by the way. It's... And so that'll be going on until August the 7th. Uh, Follies, if you're into Sondheim, that uh, is oh, yeah. uh, being done by the San Francisco Playhouse. Uh, my good friend Eko Yamamoto yeah, is that. in that. Uh, she's been in two episodes of The A. That'll be until September the 10th. Uh, Rent by the Landmark Musical Theater, that'll be going on uh, until August the 14th. A good friend of mine, Marla Hatfield-Cox, is in that, so check that out. Uh, it's only a play. That's a show that I'm in. We're uh, we're in rehearsals now, but that'll be opening August the 12th through September the 11th, so check that out. Also, there are a couple of uh, podcasts. Uh, my good friend Barry Graves has The Black Man's Heart, so check that out Wait, on Barry Spotify. Barry not Gary. Barry, B, <laughs> as a B, Barry. I know, Gary Graves, Barry Graves. Barry Graves was my uh, I was Richard a little Wright. confused at first with the name of that. I was <laughs> exactly. like, Gary's doing that? Uh, yeah, no, um, that'd be a little strange if Gary yeah. were doing Black <laughs> That was my art. feeling. Uh, Mallory Somera, our consulting producer, She her day job is KCBS Radio, and she, she has a podcast, a political podcast, Connect the Dots, a weekly news podcast, so check that out. 
I want to still promote the Fobcast, which is Bill Stiff's uh, <laughs> thing. I think we've only done two we've only done episodes. Two, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if we're going to do a third, so I don't know if you have to keep promoting Okay. It, if, we'll if let you on. know. If it's on, if yeah. it's there, then you know, check that out. Well, I also wanted to give a shout-out to San Francisco Mime Troop. That was actually me and my wife's first date. Oh, wow. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, yeah. So um, – it's always a tradition of ours. We haven't, of course, uh-huh. with the pandemic, we haven't gone, but we definitely want to check out this show. I always love these love stories, which yeah. involve theater. That's yeah. awesome. She, I knew she was a keeper. Yeah, <laughs> there you sense. go. Just go mind shoot. Yeah. <laughs> and I also date. want to uh, promote uh, our yay jerseys. We have jerseys. Mm. If you want to uh, buy a jersey, it's only $30. We have white. We have black. Maybe I'll bring the pinstripes up. I think only one person bought that. But <laughs> we have a lot of folks who we have posted pictures of people having them on. I think Conor and Panganaban bought one. So thank you for supporting the yay. And uh, that's it. Um, I'm, I feel bad because I think your wife is waiting for you. <laughs> <laughs> Ollie, did you have a good time? This is great. I, I really appreciate it. Always a great time chatting with you, Reg. Hopefully, you know, with your next show. We'll come out and check you out, support that, you. That'd be awesome, man. Of course, I'll be checking out, uh, you know, Stories High and anything else that you're doing. And by all means, if there's anything else that you want to promote or you're working on something like, you know, this next project of yours, let us know and the Yay will promote it because that's what the Yay is all about. All righty. Speaking of the Yay, we are on all podcast apps. We're on Spotify. We're on the SoundCloud app. We're on uh, all those. Uh, the If you have an iPhone or an iPad, we're on that purple podcast app that you have there. The A was created by theater people for theater people. If you have a show you want to advertise or you just want to advertise yourself, let us know. Hit us up. Our Twitter feed is the A3. I'm at Reg Space Clay. Uh, Alan, do you have a... Um... Oh, I don't use the Twitter anymore. But, um, <laughs> Are yeah. you on Instagram? Uh, uh, technically. Okay. <laughs> but people can find you, Alan, on... on um, Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. That's you know, we're still old fogies. I yep. think Facebook is becoming an old fogey thing. We're but, all you know, Gen we're X is there. hiding. Yeah. Uh, Ollie, uh, is there a um, social media thing that I, people can find you? I, I don't really participate in social. I do have accounts, but if you were to visit it, there'd be virtually nothing there. But yeah. uh, my, my Instagram is um, Olitrato. Uh, Litrato means photo in Tagalog. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's O L I. <laughs> O-L-I-T-R-A-T-O Okay, and we'll, have a, we'll, we'll uh, type it out Great So if people want to find a uh, budding uh, we you have want to uh, find people... an empty shell of an Instagram Yeah <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly there, what there, yeah, there'll be, yeah, there'll be some promos yeah. and stuff yeah. in But there, if there are photos um, of my dog. If, they, if there are theater <laughs> companies that are looking for new pieces That yeah. you want to, uh, to do And you're looking, especially for someone who is uh, BIPOC You can't go wrong with Ali Saria Um, So that is it. It's a wonderful afternoon. I want to release everybody. And um, as Norman and I always say, we got to find a better sign off. And we are (laughs) out. Thank you so much. (laughs) 